Hitisa, Moses annuls a vow. Kol Nidre, the prayer said at the beginning of Yom Kippur, is an enigma wrapped in a mystery, perhaps the strangest text ever to capture the religious imagination. First, it isn't a prayer at all. It isn't even a confession. It's a dry legal formula for the annulment of vows. It's written in Aramaic. It doesn't mention God. It's not part of the service. It doesn't require a synagogue. And it was disapproved of, or at least questioned, by generations of halachic authorities. The first time we hear of Kol Nidre in the 8th century, it's already being opposed by Rav Natronai Gaon, the first of many sages throughout the centuries who found it problematic. In his view, one cannot annul the vows of an entire congregation this way. Even if one could, one shouldn't, since it may lead people to treat vows lightly. Besides which, there's already been an annulment of vows ten days earlier, on the morning before Rosh Hashanah. This is mentioned explicitly in the Talmud, whereas there is no mention of an annulment on Yom Kippur. Rabbeinu Tam, Rashi's grandson, was particularly insistent in arguing that the kind of annulment Kol Nidre represents cannot be retroactive. It cannot apply to vows already taken. It can only be a preemptive qualification of vows in the future. Accordingly, he insisted on changing its wording so that Kol Nidre refers not to vows from last year to this, but from this year to next. However, perhaps because of this, Kol Nidre created hostility on the part of non-Jews who said it showed that Jews didn't feel bound to honour their promises since they vitiated them on the holiest night of the year. In vain, it was repeatedly emphasised that Kol Nidre applies only to vows between us and God, not those between us and our fellow humans. Throughout the Middle Ages, and in some places until the 18th century, in lawsuits with non-Jews, Jews were forced to take a special oath, more Judaica, because of this concern. So there were communal and halachic reasons not to say kol nidre, yet it survived all the doubts and misgivings. It remains the quintessential expression of the awe and solemnity of the day. Its undiminished power defies all obvious explanations. Somehow it seems to point to something larger than itself, whether in Jewish history or the inner heartbeat of the Jewish soul. Several historians have argued that it acquired its pathos from the phenomenon of false of forced conversions, whether to Christianity or Islam, that occurred in several places in the Middle Ages, most notably in Spain and Portugal in the 14th and 15th century. Jews would be the, offered the choice, convert or suffer persecution. Sometimes it was convert or be expelled. At times it was even convert or die. Some Jews did convert. They were known in Hebrew as anusim, people who acted under coercion. In Spanish they were known as conversos, or contemptuously as maranos, meaning swine. Many of them remained Jews in secret, and once a year on the night of Yom Kippur they would make their way in secret to the synagogue to seek release from the vows they had taken to adopt to another faith on the compelling grounds that they had no other choice. For them, coming to synagogue was like coming home, the root meaning of the word tshuva.
But there are obvious problems with this hypothesis. First, Colnidria was in existence several centuries before the era of forced conversions. So histor historian Joseph Bloch suggested that Colnidre may have originated in the much earlier Christian persecution of Jews in Visigoth, Spain, when in 613 Sisibor issued a decree that all Jews should either convert or be expelled, anticipating the Spanish expulsion of 1492. Even so, it's unlikely that conversos would have taken the risk of being discovered practicing Judaism. Had they done so during the centuries in which the Inquisition was in force, they would have risked torture, trial and death. Moreover, the text of Colnidre makes no reference, however oblique, to conversion, return, identity or atonement. It's simply annulment of vows. So the theories as they stand don't satisfy. However, it may be the Colnidre has a different significance altogether, one that has its origins in a remarkable rabbinic interpretation of this week's parasha. The connection between it and Yom Kippur is this, less than six weeks after the great revelation at Mount Sinai, the Israelites committed what seemed to be the unforgivable sin of making a golden calf. Moses prayed repeatedly for forgiveness on their behalf and eventually secured it, descending from Mount Sinai on the 10th of Tishri, with a new set of tablets to replace those he had smashed in anger at their sin. The 10th of Tishri subsequently became Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, in memory of that moment when the Israelites saw Moshe with the new tablets and knew they had been forgiven. Moshe's prayers as recorded in the Torah, are daring, but the Midrash makes them more audacious still. The text introducing Moshe's prayers begins with the Hebrew words, Vayachal Moshe. Normally these are translated as Moses besought, implored, entreated, pleaded, or attempted to pacify God. However, the same verb is used in the context of annulling or breaking a vow. On this basis, the sages advanced a truly remarkable interpretation. Vayachal Moshe means Moses absolved God of his vow. When the Israelites made the golden calf, Moshe, Moses sought to persuade God to forgive them, but God said, I've already taken an oath that whoever sacrifices to any God other than the Lord must be punished. I cannot retract what I have said. Moshe replied, Lord of the universe, you have given me the power to annul oaths. For you taught me that one who takes an oath cannot break their word, but a scholar can absolve them. I hereby absolve you of your vow. According to the sages, the original act of divine forgiveness on which Yom Kippur is based came about through the annulment of a vow, when Moshe annulled the vow of God. The sages understood the verse, Then the Lord relented Hashem from the evil he had spoken of doing to his people to mean that God expressed regret for the vow he had taken, a precondition for a vow to be annulled. Why would God regret his determination to punish people for their sin? On this, another Midrash offers an equally radical answer. The opening word of Psalm 61 is Lamnatseach. When this word appears in Psalms, it usually means to the conductor or to the choir master. However, the sages interpret it to mean Lamnatseach 
to the victor, meaning God, and added this stunning commentary. Lamnad Seach, to the victor who sought to be defeated. As it is said in Isaiah, I will not accuse them forever, nor will I always be angry, for then they would faint away because of me. The very people I have created. Do not read it thus, but I will accuse in order to be defeated. How so? Thus said the Holy One, blessed be he. When I win, I lose. But when I lose, I gain. I defeated the generation of the flood, but did I not lose thereby? For I destroyed my own creation, as it says. Every living thing on the face of the earth was wiped out. The same happened with the generation of the Tower of Babel and the people of Sodom. But in the days of Moshe, who defeated me by persuading me to forgive the Israelites whom I had sworn to destroy, I gained, for I did not destroy Israel. God wants his forgiveness to override his justice. Because strict justice hurts humanity, and humanity is God's creation and carries his image. That is why he regretted his vow and allowed Moshe to annul it. That is why Kol Nidre has the power it has, for it recalls the Israelites' worst sin, the golden calf, and their forgiveness, completed when Moshe descended the mountain with the new tablets on the 10th of Tishri, the anniversary of which is Yom Kippur. The forgiveness was the result of Moshe's daring prayer, understood by the sages as an act of annulment of vows, hence Kol Nidre, a formula for the annulment of vows. The power of Colidre has less to do with forced conversions than with a recollection of the moment described in our Parsha when Moshe stood in prayer before God and achieved forgiveness for the people. The first time the whole people was forgiven despite the gravity of their sin. During Musaf on Yom Kippur, we describe in detail the second Yom Kippur, the service of the high priest Aaron, as described in Vayikra 16. But on Kol Nidre, we recall the first Yom Kippur, when Moshe annulled the Almighty's vow, letting his compassion overwrite his justice, the basis of all divine forgiveness. I believe we must always strive to fulfill our promises. If we fail to keep our word, eventually we lose our freedom. But given the choice between justice and forgiveness, choose forgiveness. When we forgive and are worthy of being forgiven, we are liberated from a past we regret to build a better future. Shabbat Shalom.